Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. Two very important parts of the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles during Jesus' day was a water ceremony where the high priest would go to the Pool of Siloam and bring back a pitcher of water and pour it out in the temple. Uh, And the other uh, important part of the uh, uh, observance of the Feast of Tabernacles in the temple was a lighting ceremony, which happened in the evening. And these huge menorahs, they had to get up on ladders to light them, would light up not only the whole um, the whole temple area, but pretty much all of Jerusalem because the light was so great. Well, it's right during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, um, as this water ceremony is going on, that Jesus stands up and says, I am the living water. And then it's right after seven days of this lighting ceremony that Jesus says, I am the light of life. And so Jesus himself is connecting the Feast of Tabernacles and the water ceremony and the Feast of Tabernacles and the lighting ceremony with himself. There should be no mistake the, 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 the symbolism and the elements of the Feast of Tabernacles, which talks about the time that uh, the Messiah will come and tabernacle and live with his people. These are talking about me. It's me. We're going to talk a bit more about that, too, in this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. So today, uh, it's Palm Sunday, but we're going to spend one more week looking at the Feast of Tabernacles, because I just don't feel you can study it enough, (laughs) similar to the Book of Acts is my feeling. Um, But so, you know, Tabernacles is the most joyous, as we talked about before, the most joyful of all of the seven feasts of the Lord that God gave to his people in Leviticus 23. It's the seventh and final uh, feast. Um, It happens and occurs on the 15th day of the seventh month on the Jewish calendar. The first day of the seventh month is Rosh Hashanah. Uh, The 10th day of the seventh month is uh, Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, 
uh, Yom Kippur or Day of Atonement is then on the 10th. And then on the 15th through the 21st is Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. Sukkot meaning tabernacles. So we've talked about all the things that went into the, the celebration and the observance of that in Jesus' day. We talked about all of the things that are that take place today in Jewish synagogues that uh, observe the, um, uh, the the Feast of Tabernacles, which they do, of course, uh, uh, today as well. And we talked about things that are the same and different, so on and so forth. And then last week we started talking about, as we did with each of the seven feasts that we studied, is where is Jesus in, in this? Where is Jesus in this feast and in this uh, re- re- this um religious celebration, this, this uh, holy day, as it were, for the Jewish people. And uh, and so we were talking about last week is where is Jesus in the Feast of Tabernacles? And we looked at John chapter 7, and what do we find in John chapter 7? We found Jesus actually attending a Feast of Tabernacles uh, observance at the temple that he actually goes to, which of course he had to go because the Feast of Tabernacles is one of the three uh, religious observances on the Jewish calendar when you were supposed to go to Jerusalem (coughs) to observe those and to celebrate those. The first being Passover slash Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, the second being uh, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and then the last one being this, Feast of Tabernacles. So, of course, Jesus had to go to Tabernacles. He went to Jerusalem for Tabernacles. He went to Jerusalem for Tabernacles every single year because, you know, that's what God said in his word to do. And so that's what Jesus did. So we find in chapter 7 of John, John giving us this uh, time that when Jesus went to uh, the temple to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. And we talked about this uh, water ceremony that was part of the Feast of Tabernacles and how in John chapter 7, we see Jesus probably right after, and we talked about this was happening when, in John's passage on the seventh, the last and greatest day, he called it, of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a seven-day celebration. On that last and greatest day called Hashanah Rabbah, or the Great Hosanna Day, when everything gets amped up to its maximum. Remember, the way the Jewish people look at it is day by day. Each day builds on the other. So the second day is greater than the first day. The third day is greater than the second day. The fourth greatest day. So by then you get the seventh day, everything is ramped up to the max. Instead of three blasts on the trumpet, there are 21 blasts on the trumpet. Instead of seven, one time around, the, the, the priests go around the altar singing uh, ver, verse 25 of Psalm 118. They go around seven times doing it. And so at the at the climax of the most, uh, of the of the Biggest day, the, the most, you know, where everything is ramped up to the max, the max, the max. Jesus stands up and John says, he says loudly. Of course, he had to say loudly because there's this whole ruckus going on with people singing and celebrating. And he says, what do you say? If anyone is thirsty, so the water, the, 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 the high priest is pouring the water from the pool of Siloam into the silver basin. And the water's going in and Jesus stands up and he shouts, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What? Whoever believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so here is Jesus standing up and saying, look, and he's talking about spiritual thirst, isn't he? He says, you keep coming back to the Feast of Tabernacles, to this water ceremony year after year after year because you're spiritually thirsty for 
uh, you know, celebrating God and what God has done for you, and giving praise to God, and and seeking God's Spirit and His for and through you know uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, God's forgiveness for your sins. So you're spiritually thirsty over and over. If you keep coming back because you keep being thirsty over and over again, He says, "But if you believe in Me, this living water will be within you." And and John goes on to say he was talking about the Holy Spirit. That when you become a believer, you get the Holy Spirit, and then. You don't have to be thirsty anymore because that is forgiven and that is taken away from you. And you can find that forgiveness within instead of without. You have a permanent uh, river of living water forever, not a temporary symbol of that. So that is one place we find uh, Jesus in the Feast of Tabernacles. And then the other one was we saw in John chapter 8. The next day when, I remember Feast of Tabernacles, tacks on an eighth day which God told them on this. It's really it's really not part of the seven-day Feast of Tabernacles, but God said you still need to have one more day to have a holy convocation and a, a Sabbath where you don't do any work and you and you come and you you know worship me. And so we see in John chapter 8, Jesus going the next day, early in the morning, back to the temple, which would be the eighth day of the holy convocation. And remember also part of the Feast of Tabernacles was every night they had this huge lighting ceremony with these huge menorahs that were so big they had to get up on ladders to light them. And the light from these menorahs lit up all of Jerusalem. And there was this big ceremony of dancing and ceremonial dancing and singing and all of this. And it was a, it was a huge ceremony and in the darkness to have this light it was just so incredible such an amazing celebration and that morning when Jesus walks into the temple to teach and they they all have just come through the seven day uh, celebration of seeing the lighting ceremony every single night and he goes into the temple and he says you know what that light that you saw he says I am the light of the world I am the light. The one who follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we saw where in Psalm 118, Psalm 118 talks about the Messiah being the light, that God gives light. And then we have the celebration of light during tabernacles. And then Jesus says, I am the light. I'm the fulfillment of the light uh, that you're celebrating in tabernacles. And remember, that is kind of representative of the pillar of fire that led the uh, Israelites through the wilderness when God was with his people and led his people. And Jesus says, I'm that light. Uh, I'm that light. And it goes back to fulfilling Psalm 118, that that light, I'm that light. So where is Jesus in tabernacles? He's the water that's part of the ceremony. He's the light that's part of the ceremony. So remember when we first started on Feast of Tabernacles, we brought in this plate that Jan... um, People don't remember. You want to tell the story real quick, of, just to remind them? Yeah. <laughs> when we were moving, we were cleaning out our basement, and I happened to be looked, I just kind of glanced over, and on top of this box, this plate was laying. I couldn't really see it, so I walked over, I looked down, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It was we, we didn't remember it was there. We didn't know. We, we forgot. We it's been there for years. I mean, I don't know. Years. And it, we had just started talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so it was a little spooky. <laughs> it was really a God thing. That's right. You don't know where you got it? No. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I'll pass it around. It says Feast of Tabernacles, Jerusalem, 1987. We were not in Jerusalem in 1987, but someone must have been. Yeah, but Greg has a lot of friends who have given him material over the years. So I figured that must have been in some of his So when So if you didn't know all the things we just reviewed quickly, you would look at this and you would say, Rivers of Living Water, John 7, 38. What does that have to do with the Feast of Tabernacles? And if you don't know it, you don't know it. You can't, you can't put these things together. But now that we know these things, look at this. It all makes sense. So here is the menorah for the lighting ceremony, right? Here are the rivers of living water, right? So here is Jesus, the light, Jesus, the living water, which is all what Tabernacles is all about. And then... What does the living water, who is the living water within us? It's the Holy Spirit. What does the dove represent? The Holy Spirit. So here you have it all. The light, Jesus is the light of the world, and he is the, the living water who believes in him, gets the Holy Spirit, and becomes rivers of living water. That's what John 7 is about. That's what Feast of Tabernacles is about. And that's just, now it all makes sense, doesn't it? So... So that's all the cool stuff. So you packed it and moved it. <laughs> we packed it and moved it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, the other thing that we talked about that what Tabernacles is all about is, remember, it's also a celebration of the harvest. It's the end of the growing season. It's in the fall. The, the, feast, the, the seventh month is in September, October-ish. For us, and the Feast of Tabernacles is around the first week of October, end of September, first week of October. And we talked, so this is the harvest time. This is when they're bringing all their crops. And we talked about how the Feast of Tabernacles, the way the Jewish people see it, is that it's celebrating that God tabernacled with them. And that by doing so, God met their needs. And he met their needs in the wilderness by giving them water from a rock, by giving them manna from heaven, by giving them the raw materials that they needed to build their temporary booths or the temporary tabernacles. This is also called the Feast of Booths. And part of the reason that, part of the thing you're supposed to do a Feast of Tabernacles is to build a temporary booth in your home and your synagogue to remind you of the way that your ancestors had to live in booths during the years they were in the wilderness. But God provided in a wilderness area the raw materials that they needed to build their booths, which was primarily willow branches, palm branches, branches from leafy trees, and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a, it's a celebration of God's provision for his people. And then that also includes that the crops that God gave to them in meeting their needs. So God met their needs in the past, and God meets their needs today. He gave them what they needed in the wilderness, and he's given them what they need now by giving them the harvest and the crops. So in essence, the Feast of Tabernacles is for the Jewish uh, people, uh, their Thanksgiving celebration, thanking God for his care and, and meeting their needs, uh, both in the past and, and in the current, the present day. So we talked about part of the Tabernacles is called an in-gathering. And I mentioned earlier that we're, we in-gather people in this class. So the in-gathering was the idea of in-gathering the crops or the harvest as part of tabernacles. But when we talk about what is the in-gathering in -gathering for Jesus, of course, it's not a 
physical harvest, it's a spiritual harvest. And the ingathering, when we talk about where is Jesus in tabernacles, is the idea that Jesus will ingather someday all of those who believe in him. There will be an ingathering where he ingathers everyone who's a believer. So let's look at a, an example of, of that and what happens there. And you know, you, know the, you know it very well, Matthew 25. So if you want to turn to Matthew 25, this is, this is the ingathering of, um, that we're talking about. Um, Matthew, 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 yeah, 25, yeah. So verse 31 is where we're going to start. So this is where we see what Tabernacles is, 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 is symbolizing with the end gathering. This is the spiritual end gathering that will happen someday. So 25 verse 31, it says, Now when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So Matthew's giving us the time frame here. And what he's saying is that this is going to happen after the second coming of Christ. This is not after the rapture. This is not after, this is not happening in heaven. Uh, this is happening on earth. This is happening in Jerusalem. This is happening after Jesus returns for his second coming. And it says, so now when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne in Jerusalem. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He is the good shepherd, right? So here we see him fulfilling that, that office of being a shepherd. He shepherd, separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, but he will put the goats on his left. Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you come, the end gathering, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And answering, the king will say to them, Amen, I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So here is the end gathering of the sheeps, of the sheep, of those who believe in, believed in Christ. And it's after his second coming, he's sitting on the throne, and there will be a judgment day. I hate to use the word judgment day for believers, because we have the connotation that a judgment is a negative thing and a bad thing. We will all face the judgment of Christ, but for us who believe, it's a rewards day. So I like to say for believers, it's not judgment day, it's rewards day. It's the day we get our reward, you know? Now, for the goats... They got a judgment coming. I'm sorry. But for us sheep, so when this happens, I want to see all of you on the right side. Not the correct side, but the literal right side. We're going to be all sheep, right? So that's the important thing. Okay, so that's the in gathering. But there's also an outcasting. So let's look then starting at um, verse 41. Then he will say to those on the left, go away from me, you cursed ones, in the everlasting fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they too answered, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not care for you? Then he will answer to them, saying, Amen, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me, these shall go off to everlasting punishment, outcasting, but the righteous into everlasting life, ingathering. So there we see the fulfillment of tabernacles, the ingathering of the believers, and that's where Jesus is in tabernacles and that part of the celebration of it. The other thing we want to talk about as part of tabernacles is that it represents God tabernacling with his people. So we talked about how in the wilderness that God tabernacled with his people through the cloud that led them by day and the pillar of fire that led them by night. That was God tabernacling. He was present with them. Uh, he tabernacled with Moses, and when he met with Moses in the tent of meeting, and they and and he would meet with Moses and, and speak to Moses uh, directly. Uh, he uh, tabernacled with them in the temple when his presence went into the holy of holies, and we see that with his Shekinah glory going there and the tabernacling with his people there. And uh, today, you know. Um, there isn't like a physical place where we can say God is tabernacling with his people. Uh, but there will be a time in the future when God through Christ will again tabernacle with us who are his people. So let's look and see where we find that a, a tabernacling that will happen in the future where God's presence is here among us or we are among his presence in the future. So let's look first at Zechariah. I'll give you time. My, uh, I just found out that my, uh, my living tree, tree of life uh, version, that some of it they put in chronological order instead of, the, so sometimes I have a hard time finding things in here. But anyway, so Zechariah, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 16. Zechariah 14, 16. This is also happening at the same time frame that we just talked about. This is also happening after Jesus' second coming. This is also happening when he has set up his kingdom, his millennial kingdom. There will be a thousand-year thousand year, uh, rule of Christ from Jerusalem. They call it the millennial kingdom. And that's when what just happened, what we read in Matthew 25, takes place. And that's what that's when this takes place from Zechariah uh, chapter 14, verse 16. It says, Then all the survivors from all the nations that attacked Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king Adonai Satzvaot, which means uh, the Lord of hosts, to celebrate what? Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, right? So we will be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles during the Millennial Kingdom when Jesus returns. So it's good that we know all about this. It's good we have the study, right? So we won't be lost when it all happens, not know what's going on. Now, now, so let me just say that there is there is so much disagreement about what verse 16 is talking about in terms of who are these people? 
than all the survivors from all the nations that attacked Jerusalem. So we know there's going to be an Armageddon, right? We know there's going to be a final battle, and it's going to be all of Antichrist's forces through Satan against Israel, against Israel, basically, and God's people, and, and those, who are, those who believe in Christ at that point. And so... Um, and so this is saying that, and so, you know, all the bad guys get wiped out, right, by Christ and by, and by God. And so this says, then all this, and we just saw in Matthew 25, where all the unbelievers are outcast into the eternal fire. So um, how is it then there are survivors from all nations that attack Jerusalem still around? So here, here is what I think. I think that these are believers. Otherwise, they wouldn't still be on earth, okay? These survivors, they're believers. Um, but why were they attacking Jerusalem at the end time? Well, I don't think they personally did. I think they were believers in the countries that attacked Jerusalem, but they personally didn't take part in it. So let's take, for example, Russia today. That would be an analogy. So there are people in Russia who don't agree with Putin. There are people in Russia who don't agree that they should be at war with Ukraine. There are people in Russia who want nothing to do with it, but they're powerless to change it. So they'll survive it, but they won't agree with it. Okay, so I think that's who these people are. They were believers in these countries who believed in Christ, who didn't believe that there should they should their country should be warring against Israel, don't believe that Antichrist should have waged this war, but they were powerless to do anything about it or change it. But when it's all over, they're still survivors from those nations, but they're among the sheep, not among the goats. So what Zechariah says then, that all those survivors from all the nations that attacked Jerusalem, who are believers, who didn't agree with it, didn't have anything to do with it, they're innocent and they're believers, will go up from year to year, there's a thousand years here, from year to year to worship the king, Adonai, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. So we're going to be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. And look what else it says. Furthermore, if uh, any uh, of the nations on earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, Adonai Satsuat, uh, they will have no what? Rain. Rain. What's the big deal about, what's one of the big things that the Tabernacles is all about? Water. Water and rain, right? Because why? Because there's a rainy season in Jerusalem from November through March. So they come into October, they're praying for rain, God, please give us rain. And that's one of the reasons the water ceremony is so important, because it reminds them to please God, give us rain. And they think that on the seventh day, the last and greatest day is in the Jewish tradition, that's the day that God decides. Either yes, you get rain, or no, you don't get rain. So they're praying for rain the whole time. There's another reason that the seventh day is so important, because they're trying to impress God and say, God, we deserve rain. Please give us the rain. And so here they're celebrating the Feast of Temples, and the punishment, if you don't come and worship uh, in Jerusalem, where you're supposed to be, the Feast of Tabernacles, the punishment is you don't get no rain. 
If the Egyptians do not go up and celebrate, they will have no rain. Instead, there will be the plague that Adonai will inflict on the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which is no rain. So isn't that interesting? So that's one tabernacle. That's from the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament and find a time when uh, God is tabernacling with his people in the future. Let's go to Revelation uh, chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had, earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I also heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is among them, and he will what? Live with them, or my version says, tabernacle among them. Behold, the dwelling of God is among men, and he shall tabernacle among them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them and be their God. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Nor shall there be mourning or crying or pain any longer, for the former things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Then he said, Write, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the what? Thirsty I will give what? From the spring of the water of life. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That sounds just like what God, like Jesus said after the Feast of Tabernacles, right? If you're thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. Isn't that incredible? So there is God tabernacle in the future. Look at one more. Let's look at Isaiah uh, chapter 65. Isaiah 65. And you probably didn't even know this was in Isaiah. Because we all know the famous Isaiah parts, like Isaiah 53. But look at Isaiah 65. This is another promise that God made through the prophet Isaiah. He says, verse, let's go to verse 17. 60, Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. So we're seeing in, we're seeing in Revelation the fulfillment of Isaiah 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. For the former things will not be remembered nor come to mind. Now, that's a promise for you and me. That when we go into the next life, it's going to be so amazingly wonderful that we're not even going to, really, not even going to think about this life down here. It's, you know, it's going to be one of those distant memories that you don't really even think of. Like, for example, Jan and I just moved to a new house. So... Uh, how often do I think about the first condo that we owned together? <laughs> I never think about it. Why would I think about it? It was a barely little tiny little condo. And now we have a nice house that we're living in. So I don't think about that. I mean, I went through it, but I don't think about it. So there you go. The former things will not be remembered or come to mind. Verse 18. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For behold, I'm creating Jerusalem for rejoicing. What do we do during Sukkot, during the Feast of Tabernacles? We rejoice. It's joyful. Uh, we'll, we'll rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No longer will the voice of weeping or the voice of crying be heard in her. So there it is, tabernacling. And the last thing I should say is, of course, today there's also tabernacling for us who are believers because the Holy Spirit, right? God is tabernacling with us. We are the 
temple of God, right? When we become believers, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And so God today, with each of us, he's already tabernacling. Why is there not a tabernacle right now? Because we are the tabernacle. He is tabernacling with us today as he lives within each of us as believers. So, okay, now we have a quick little six-minute video here I wanted to show. This is uh, Rabbi uh, Steve Weiler from the Sharish David Messianic Synagogue in Tampa. He is wrapping up his last sermon about the Feast of Tabernacles, and he has this conclusion. Well, he just did he did a, a sermon series of all seven feasts, and from a Jewish standpoint, because he is a Jewish believer in Christ. And this is his last sermon, finishing up the Feast of Tabernacles, and he kind of puts a bow on everything at the end, which I thought, that's great, that's great. We should do that because this is our last day. So let's watch what he has to say. So having said all of that, we still have a couple moments. Take out the sheet from your announcements. If I didn't do that, I just couldn't be true to myself. You can't have a season, the fall season of appointed times, without my famous R's. Not ours, not A-R-E-S, but just R. It says at the top, God's appointed time or a pattern for our daily walk with him. Anybody need one? Uh, I believe you can raise your hand and Karen will pass them out. But most of you should have it. Now, what I'm saying to you is this. There is a pattern in the holy days of the fall season that we should try and keep every single day of our lives. So let's take a look. Number one, first R is reflect. As we get quiet before the Lord, we reflect. Second R is recognize our sins. Third R is we repent of our sins. And that kind of leads us from Rosh Hashanah into Yom Kippur. Well, in Yom Kippur, we realize since we've repented, we are redeemed of, as our sins have been forgiven. Number five, we are reconciled with God, which means that God has received us back to be close with him because our sins, and I know you like this word, our schmutz has been pushed away. And, uh, and uh, as Abigail said, uh, what was the word I use? She used uh, the shackles. The shackles have been undone and and so that allows us to get close to God. So number five is we're reconciled with God. So when you are when you are closer to God, you sense number six, you receive his love and his mercy. See, when we're far away from God, he still gives love and mercy, but we don't sense it because all we can see is our sin. God doesn't move, but we move. And sin, as it says in Isaiah, uh, yes, Isaiah 59, 2, um, sin separates us from God. Okay, so in number seven, which is Sukkot, look, if you've gotten all, if you've been redeemed, if you've been reconciled to God and man, 
and you receive God's love and mercy, you have got to rejoice. And that's what number seven is, and that's why Sukkot is all about rejoicing. Number eight, we remember because when we are rejoicing, we're also remembering what God has done for us. We're remembering the things that has transpired. And so number nine, we share, we retell to other people what the Lord has done in his love in our lives. And the results, number 10, is that we're renewed, we're refreshed. We're regenerated, we're restored, and our faith becomes relevant. So, the rest of this page, and on the back side of the page, is and uh, some scriptures that help you do this in your quiet So just to go over those again, so he, he's dividing his 10 R's into the final three fall feasts of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. So the first three, which he puts under like what happens in Rosh Hashanah, is to reflect on your sins, to recognize that you have sinned, and then to repent of those sins. So that's the idea of Rosh Hashanah. The next three R's that he has are representative of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and that is to be redeemed, that the Lord is faithful to forgive us of our sins as we believe in him, that we are then reconciled, that God receives you back, and the wall that separates you from God because of your sin is removed and torn down, and then you receive God's love and mercy, and you not only receive it, but you sense God's love and mercy for you by uh, by redeeming you. And then the last four R's he has as part of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, which is to rejoice. We find joy in our reconciliation with God, to remember what God has done for us. And remember last week I talked about Ebenezer, so I found the passage. So it's in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7, and I talked about how Ebenezer, the 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 um, translation Ebenezer is thus far God has helped us, and the fact that when we remember, we remember what God has done for us, because that gives us faith of what God will do for us. So by remembering what God has done for us, it's like His promise that He will continue to do for us in the same way in the future. So you don't have to turn if you don't want to, but if you, but here I'll just read it to you. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to Adonai. Then Samuel cried out to Adonai for Israel, and Adonai answered him. As Samuel was offering the, up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But Adonai thundered with loud thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them so that they were defeated before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down all the way to Bethkar. Then verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far Adonai has helped us. So every time they looked at that stone, they were reminded of what God had done for them. This miraculous uh, you know, defeat of the Philistines that God accomplished without them even lifting a finger. And, 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's where that's where that all comes from. And so the other two R's on Sukkot are to retell, to tell others about what you have experienced, and then the tenth one is results. The result of all of this is a renewed, refreshed faith that becomes, as he says, relevant. So that's all of that. The last thing I want to do um, before we close today is I want to give you, show you something in the Old Testament where now with your new knowledge, with our new knowledge about these feasts, that we can read something differently than maybe we read it before. So take a minute and find Ezra um, in your Bible. Because I do want you to, if you can, read along with me on this one. Ezra, where are you? (laughs) Ah, there you are. So you can look at your table of contents because that's what I had to do. So Ezra chapter 3. So verse 1 of chapter 3. And Ezra says, When the seventh month arrived, ding, 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 immediately you should start thinking, right? Seventh month, ding, 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 ding. That's important. Seventh month means Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. It means Feast of Feast of Trumpets and Day of Atonement and Feast of Tabernacles all happened in the seventh month. When the seventh month arrived and the sons of Israel were settled in the towns, the people gathered together as one man in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Jazadak, forgive me my pronunciation, uh, his fellow Kohanim, which is priests, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build the altar of the God of Israel. Now remember, this is this is when the, the Jews are returning from captivity in Babylon and they're rebuilding Jerusalem and the walls and the temple and the altar and everything else. They're rebuilding it. So it says, um, began to build the altar of the God of Israel in order to offer burnt offerings on it as is written in the Torah of Moses, the, God, the man of God. They set up the altar on its fixed resting place despite their fear of the peoples of the lands and they offered burnt offerings on it to Adonai, both the morning and the evening sacrifices. They also kept the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written and offered the prescribed number of daily burnt offerings according to the requirement of each day. So there you go. You read that now and say seventh month, Feast of Sukkot, they rebuilt the, the, the temple and the rebuilt the altar so they could celebrate this on the 15th of uh, the seventh month, which was when Sukkot begins. Then verse 5, after that, they presented the regular burnt offerings and the new moon sacrifices and the sacrifice for all the sacred Moedim. What is Moedim? Moedim is appointed times. What are the feasts of the Lord? The seven feasts of the Lord are the appointed times that God gave to his people. So it says, uh, and, and the sacred appointed times of Adonai, as well as all the freewill offerings brought to Adonai from the first day of the seventh month. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. First day of the seventh month is what? Rosh Hashanah. So verse 6 is, from the first day of the seventh, in other words, from Rosh Hashanah, they began to offer burnt offerings to Adonai 
through the foundation of the temple of Adonai had been. So he's kind of going going backwards here. So what if you're reading chronological order, you go that you read that first. So they set up the temple, they set up the altar. The first day of the seventh month, they did Rosh Hashanah, and then on the fifteenth day, they had Sukkot. Greg, yeah, I'm going to show my ignorance here. What month is uh, does their seventh month correlate specifically with one of our months? Like the end of September, beginning of October, September, October, September, October time frame is when it is. Yeah. So one more thing I wanted just to see, show you here before we close for the day. Go to Ezra. Chapter ten. Oh no, actually, go to go to Ezra chapter six first. Chapter six, chapter six of Ezra, and let's go to verse uh, nineteen. It says the exiles celebrated the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month. Remember, ding ding ding, first month Passover is in the first month on the fourteenth day of the first month of uh, uh, of the Jewish calendar. So the exiles celebrated the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. It's exactly what they were supposed to do. For every one of the Kohanim, the priests and the Levites had purified themselves and all of them were ceremonially pure. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the exiles, for their fellow Kohanim and for themselves. So here they are when they get back and they get to the first month and they celebrate Passover on the 14th of the first month. So there we have Sukkot, and Rosh Hashanah and Passover all explicitly in Ezra. And then now last, the last one, let's go to chapter 10 of Ezra. Chapter 10 of Ezra. This has to do with, during the time, uh, during the Babylonian captivity, some of the Jews were left in Jerusalem, and during the intervening time, they had intermarried with pagan women. And so when Ezra came back, he called them on the carpet for that. And he said, that, no, you, that can't happen. Uh, that is not pleasing to the Lord. And so what all the people did who had pagan wives agreed to divorce them. And so that would be pleasing to God. So they wouldn't be married to someone who had not become Jewish. And so that's what this has to do with. So verse 9 of, ch of chapter 10 of Ezra says, So within three days, all the men of, uh, let's go back to verse 7. A proclamation was then circulated throughout Judah and Jerusalem for all of the exiles to assemble in Jerusalem. Everyone who did not come within three days would forfeit his property according to the counsel of the officials and the elders and would himself be excluded from the assembly of the exiles. So you're going to be there. you got to be there. So within three days, all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled in Jerusalem. On the 20th day of the ninth month, all the people were... Now remember, we just said, thanks to Stan, that uh, the seventh month is in... September, October, right? So this is the ninth month, which would be more like what? November-ish, December-ish? What do we know about November-ish, December-ish in Jerusalem? Rain. So let's keep reading. On the 20th day of the ninth month, all the people were sitting in the plaza before the house of God, trembling because of this matter, and what? Because of the rain. The rainy season right here is in the Bible. We see it right in before our eyes. Keep reading. Then Ezra and the Kohen stood up and said to them, You have been unfaithful and taken foreign wives, increasing the guilt of Israel. So now give praise to Adonai, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from among the peoples of the land and from your foreign wives. Verse 12, the entire assembly answered and said with a loud voice, Yes, we will do just as you have said. However, there are many people here, and it is 
the rainy season. So let's not stay. Let's not stay outside and do this. Let's go inside where it's going to be. So isn't it cool? Right here we talk about the rainy season. Why Feast of Tabernacles is important to pray for rain. They needed the water, and here we have that it was actually was raining during the rainy season in uh, in Israel and in Jerusalem. So. Okay, that's all I have for today. So, praise the Lord. I have a question. Yes. The passage you read in John about Jesus going in for the Feast of Tabernacles, how long after that would he have gone into Jerusalem on the donkey? The very next Passover, which would have been, yes, the very next, that would have been the very next Passover, which would have been the following April-ish. So, that would have been about six months. Yeah, that is that's the last that's the last feast of tabernacles that he would have attended before his crucifixion. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you, peace be with you. Shalom.